Hello. Hello. And welcome to another episode of Tacos and Tequila. I'm Peyton. I'm Sydney. And we have a new case for you guys this week. It'll actually be a two-parter. <laughs> I don't know if I want to call it a doozy, but I guess. I it's like an interesting case for sure. <laughs> yes, definitely interesting. And we actually were suggested this case by someone in our DMs. This is why we love you to reach out to us and message us. <laughs> yes, yes, that is definitely how this came to be. And I was very excited to look into it. And yeah. Yeah, I would have never probably heard of this case if someone hadn't reached out to us. So I'm very grateful. And... Yeah, I don't think I have anything else before we just dive right into it, right, Sid? No, I don't think so. Otherwise, we'll just start ranting about nonsense, probably. Yeah, well, we did that <laughs> a lot last episode. <laughs> I edited it. I was editing, and I was like, ooh, lots of ranting. <laughs> ooh. It's okay. We'll try and be better this episode. <laughs> All right. That'll be I'll, the goal. I'll let you just kind of dive right in then. Awesome. In June of 2007, Anita Knudsen was 18 years old and finishing up her freshman year at Minot State University in Minot, North Dakota. Anita was living in an off-campus apartment with a roommate and was working two jobs in order to pay for her schooling. Anita had been adopted by Gordon and Sharon Knudsen at a young as a young child she had two adopted siblings Anna and Daniel and Anita was quite close with her family so it was super out of character for her to not reach out to her family or particularly odd for her to not answer her phone um they basically she had spoken with her mother basically every single day on Friday June 1st 2007 this was the last time that Anita's family was able to reach her She'd spoken with her mom on the phone, telling her that she was going home after she had spent some time with a friend. And her mom had tried to follow up with her on Sunday and again on Monday, but received no response from her daughter. When Anita's mom, Sharon, had again received no response on that Monday, she had her husband, Gordon, drive the hour to Minot to check in on their daughter's apartment as they were starting to worry after not hearing from her. I also, sorry, I don't mean to interrupt. I also no. <laughs> uh, saw that not only was it super strange, but that, like, they wouldn't hear from her, but they would see each other regularly, too. Like, I saw the high school that her two younger siblings went to was only, like, a 30-minute drive. It was halfway in between. So, sometimes she'd see her siblings after school during the week, and... I think they said her brother had, like, a wrestling tournament or something that weekend. So, it was extra strange that they didn't hear from her. And so, like, it made it convenient to, like, go check on her. Because I know some – so, like, our my example, you and my sister went to college together. Your family could have easily gone and checked on you. But it wouldn't have been easy for us to go drive and go check on Morgan when she was out of state. So, 
I think that made it very convenient for them, and they were all still super close. Yes, yes. And, like, I mean, maybe not to necessarily, like, pop up, but if you didn't hear from somebody and you're starting to worry about them, you would definitely yeah. drive, you know, the half hour, hour to go and check and make sure they're okay compared to how far were you guys from Morgan? Like, five hours, six hours? Like, nobody's doing that. Yeah. <laughs> and I honestly, mean, eventually, honestly we all joke that, like, if we don't hear from my sister for, like, a couple weeks, it's, like, pretty normal. <laughs> that's actually extremely accurate. I have not heard from her in quite some time. <laughs> I joke all the time that, like, if it wasn't for my boyfriend or even probably you, if I didn't respond to someone for, like, a day or two, then there's an issue. But we kind of go sporadic texting, too. Yeah, that's true. That's but, true. like... I don't talk to anyone daily, even my parents. So I think it's, I always think think it's interesting because that, you know, people, when they go missing you or something happens, you can find out a lot faster. (laughs) That's true. That's actually a good point because like I talk to my mom, like not every day, but like every other day. But like, I also feel like if I didn't talk to her, she necessarily wouldn't think something was wrong right away. Yeah. Because like we kind of go like. Yeah, I don't know, she'll call me and I'll be like, I don't want to answer this phone call right now. I'll call you back <laughs> later. But, like, I don't necessarily text her and say, like, sorry, I'm busy either. I'll just, like, call the next day or something. Like, I don't know if that would... I don't know. Interesting. I was just Inter- curious. Yeah, you're dynamic, too, because I always think it's interesting when people, like, notice right away. Yeah. Because yeah. I don't know if I could, like, trigger that. <laughs> Or, like, you just have, like, a bad, like, feeling. And I guess that's not something that was really discussed, but I'm not sure if Anita's mom kind of, like, felt some type of way. She's not responding. This is out of the norm. Well, I did see in an interview with Anita's younger sister, Anna, that she remembers very vividly that whole weekend, like, was it Saturday or Sunday, maybe? Like, all day multiple times like comments being made about like how they couldn't get a hold of Anita and so she like very vividly remembered that being a topic and being like a red flag so and maybe it was like oh it wasn't it was just like every other day but maybe I'm trying to think of like how to word this (laughs) like you said they talked on Friday and then Again, she was trying to get a hold of her on Sunday, so it was every other day, but I think out of the norm to, like, not be able to get a hold of her right away or her not to return her phone call right away. Um, Yeah. So, I guess, like, that kind of makes sense, too. To get some sort of response, like, within the hour, or, sorry, I'm doing something, I'll I'll give you a call, or let me call you back a little bit. Like, you said, you, for example, like, (laughs) might not call someone back till the next day. I'm pretty much like if you call me, I'm going to answer. Usually if my parents are like my grandpa called me the other day and I like instantly answer because I'm like, what's wrong? <laughs> um, but maybe that's just me because <laughs> we don't call. We'll usually just text. <laughs> so if someone calls me, I'm like, oh, is everything yeah. OK? <laughs> I have like a handful of people that just call me. So like I'll be like, I don't. Why, why are you calling me right now? Like, but if you call me twice, then I'll answer. Okay. Then it, then it's got to be like an emergency. It was just a one call. Like I'll call you back later, or I'll text you and tell you I'll call you back later, and I won't call you. Okay, fair. Well, and it sounded <laughs> like it was like multiple phone calls trying to get yeah. a hold of Anita. So maybe it was a bad feeling then. Like, 
oh, we can't get a hold of her and she's not returning our calls. Definitely out of the norm for her. Yeah. Makes sense. Makes sense. When Gordon had arrived at his daughter's apartment, he knocked on the door and got no response. He had also noticed that Anita's car had been parked outside of the apartment. So after getting no response to his knocking, he went to find the apartment manager to let him in. At first, the manager was hesitant hesitant to let Gordon in, but they had discovered a screen from a bedroom window had been cut, and it appeared that there was someone lying in the room. So obviously, with something of that nature, the apartment manager kind of was like, yeah, I'll let you in. I'll change my mind. Once in the apartment, Gordon found his daughter lying on her bed, face down, stabbed multiple times. The mattress and the floor were covered in blood and a coat or a robe. Um, both of the articles or the different articles I found kind of were referring to this item as a jacket. And then some were referring to it as like a bathrobe had covered Anita. Police were able to determine that Anita likely had been killed on Sunday morning. But there was also references stating that she had not shown up for her shift at one of her jobs that weekend either. So it was kind of misleading or unsure on which was right and which was wrong. There was nothing that had been missing from the apartment and Anita had not been sexually assaulted. So the police really had little to nothing to go on. After her death, there was a handful of suspects. One being Tyler Schmaltz. He had been Anita's prom date and also reportedly had a crush on her. And even had lived in the same apartment building in Minot as her. Other suspects were workers at the complex, including a maintenance man and a few men who had been roofing the apartment. Another being a jogger, but none of these led anywhere. Some people had said that her roommate... Nicole and her had been getting had not been getting along. Recently, they had even gotten into a physical fight after one of their arguments. But it was said her roommate had stayed at her parents' home in Minot for the weekend, ruling her out. Police had supposedly collected DNA evidence from the scene, but there was no match to this and any of the suspects. And the case of Anita Knudsen remained unsolved. North Dakota only had 15 cold cases listed on the Attorney General's website until 2022. On March 16th of 2022, so only a few weeks ago, the Minot Police Department announced the arrest of Nicole Rice, Anita's roommate, at the time of the murder in 2007. Now 34 years old, Nicole faces a AA felony for the stabbing of her roommate. Some important things I saw from, like, mentioning the roommate. One, so something I, like, basically read was she was always a person of interest, right? You mentioned the potential roommate who was out of town, staying at a parent's house, Well, apparently, you know, coming through evidence, like, they've always kind of been actively working the case, but but not, if that makes sense. Like, I read an article from January of this year, 
with Anita's sister where she said like she'll those family still gets phone calls and updates from police but they're just fewer and far in between uh but nicole was always a suspect on their list from what i read she was never really like eliminated even though she kind of had an alibi and that's in quotes apparently like her and her father who had given her like a time frame and said like she got there 7 p.m on saturday and was there till Monday. Like that. They made contradicting statements. And apparently a witness actually also put her at a bar. Like a local bar. Saturday night into the early hours. Like close to their apartment. Well, so. I think <laughs> there the, were already signs that like she was lying. Yes. Absolutely. And the biggest thing with that. Is like, yes, she was at her parents' house, but her parents lived in the same town. So, like, that's like if I was saying I was at my parents' house when I was in school. Like, my parents lived in the same city as the university I went to. So like, <laughs> You're like, yeah, it's a 10-minute drive. <laughs> yeah, like, it's a 10-minute drive to get back and forth. Like, yeah, I, I would go home and stay at my parents' house for the weekend, but, like, I could be back at school if I wanted to in 10, 15 minutes. Yeah. So, apparently, like, that night, she was at this local bar by the college or their apartment. And she actually had told someone she had to go back to her apartment and get clothes that night. And then I saw, like, according to records, Anita was texting a friend that night. And then text stopped around, like, 4.30, 4.40 in the morning. Like, she stopped responding. So that's, like, the last, like, roughly the last time someone was in contact with her, and they believe that it potentially happened not long after that. So if that's the case, like, Nicole very clearly had major holes in her alibi. Uh, I also saw (laughs) a former boyfriend of hers had told police officers and investigators that one night when they were at a party and she was like extremely belligerent drunk is how he described her that Anita's murder got brought up and she told her boyfriend that she killed her yes okay (laughs) and then he tried to bring it up again when she was sober and she got like really angry and like was changing the subject yes that's so wild that was like okay so that is a big part of how this like came to be and how Nicole was finally arrested was the b- part of you know the boyfriend's statement of Nicole getting belligerently drunk and saying that she had did it um I think also and like this isn't this is all speculation but like there's been multiple men in her life um Nicole was just recently married I actually found her wedding website from last like November like you know they have did. like those like Notley <laughs> websites yeah I'm reading about like the maid of honor all these people like were just being weird but I think that there was other reports that haven't been yet released like of other people that were close to her that she might have you know spilled the beans to um, it just kind of seems to be what finally brought her together. Obviously, yeah. there wouldn't be, you know, even if the police had collected what they thought was DNA evidence, there's not going to be DNA evidence found from Nicole. If Nicole lived in the apartment, obviously, she would get ruled out of that, or for the most part, like, 
Yeah. Well, and I saw that when they found Anita, like, a screen in her bedroom was, was it, like, missing or cut, and the window was open, and so, like, looked like maybe someone was trying, like, broke in that way, but you mentioned there was no signs of theft, which, like, wouldn't make sense if someone broke in, and also they said nothing around the window was disturbed, so it made it look like no one actually broke in that window. <laughs> like, like they it just w- kicked it out. Or like it was made to look like someone broke in that window, but it, what it wasn't actually like what happened. That's true uh, too. And then I also saw in an article, like when they talked about that, they mentioned like there were only four people that had keys and access to this apartment. Anita, Nicole, the landlord, and a maintenance worker. So obviously the three were suspects and like very interested parties since the doors were locked mm-hmm. and there was no forced entry besides that window that looked like a red herring. So I thought that was interesting. Also, Sid, I'm sure you saw this, how they got help on solving this case. <laughs> Did you see that? Was it thanks to a show? Oh, from, um, are you talking about the oxygen? Yeah, so the show's called Cold Justice. I haven't yes. watched it before. I don't think the actual episode came out, though, yet. So it's like former detective, like a former detective, a former prosecutor that team up and help law enforcement agencies investigate cold cases. And so I saw, like, an interview. I don't know if it was, like, an investigator, I think, who basically credited Cold Justice for helping them solve this case. And they said that Cold Justice came on board. Well, obviously the investigators investigated, but Cold Justice is behind the scenes providing experts, testing, and a bunch of other resources that previously they just didn't have the time to throw into this cold case and dig in further. And so they said like they wouldn't have been able to solve it without it. Just another little side fact. Cold Justice is produced by Dick Wolf. And if you don't know that wow. name, it's freaking Law and Order. <laughs> Gold so figure. He's real life helping solve cases. Just had to share. <laughs> That's crazy, though, because, I mean, I guess you don't really put that perspective in because, you know, this Minot, North Dakota, I've never heard of Minot before. Um, obviously a very small town. Like, they're not going to have the resources or, like, the money to look into something like that. But if they have, you know, a big program like Oxygen and they're um, cold, what was it, cold justice? Yeah. Um, Come on and have all these analysts and all these other people and, like, money that they're able to put in and, like, do behind the scenes. Like, I I really love this. I'm actually currently reading... um, A book, it's called Chase Darkness With Me by Billy Jensen, and this is totally a a plug for the book if you like this kind of stuff. Um, And that's his big thing is he started out as, like, a journalist. He actually has a, I think it's Paul Holes that he has a podcast with now, or did, uh, because he helped take over after Michelle McNamara died for the Golden State Killer investigation. Um, (laughs) I'm really crazy about how I know all of this stuff. Uh, but anyways, he was a journalist and he was constantly writing unsolved 
or like articles and stories about unsolved cases that weren't getting media attention. So something like Anita, I've never heard. I can't imagine it got a ton of media coverage and he is utilizing social media. He eventually launches a show and they're helping solve cases and like dig in where investigators might not be focusing or might not have the resources. He's doing all this stuff like modern day to help utilize like Twitter and Instagram and Facebook to like launch campaigns and ads to help get people caught. (laughs) And it's really wild to think that like that actually helps like something like cold justice, something like his show, like that actually can help in in solve crime. Yeah. Sorry, I just had to go on a tangent because I think that's, like, massive. It's massive that in 2022, because she was just arrested in, what, March? Yeah, March of this year. March 16th. So not even a month ago. (laughs) And this has been a 15-plus, 15-year or so uh, cold case, and we're actually getting some, like, real-life answers now. Hopefully there is still a trial. Mm Mm-hmm. And she's, Nicole posted a $120,000 cash bond since she was considered to not be a flight flight risk because of her ties with family in Minot. So she's out on bond right now, which is, I mean, she's been out for the past, what, 15, 17 years, which is sad and insane anyway, but. Yeah. I saw the, yeah, preliminary hearing scheduled for April 21st. And pre-trial conference starts June 29th. So, I mean, she's out for a while until, unfortunately, till the investigation. I guess I shouldn't say unfortunately because we should see him by, like, innocent until proven guilty. True. Here's a couple things that are really, like, bad taste in my in my mouth. Uh, Nicole has posted on social media, on her Facebook, her mom as well, um, about, like, how they hoped for justice for Anita. Nicole's posted things. I literally have a quote. It's hard being the person everyone looks at and that people who know what kind of person she is know she wouldn't hurt anyone. It's This has all been very hard on me. Blah, 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 blah. She's also been involved in like a, like a memorial page for Anita, included making comments about like miss you on her birthday and things like that. So I think that leaves like a really bad taste in my mouth. Yes. Because she has made it about herself and how she's also a victim. She, she said those words. Mm-hmm. Uh, she lied to investigators and told them that they were, her and Anita were very close and they weren't. <laughs> Even though they're getting, like, in physical altercations in their apartment. Yeah, I literally, there were multiple people I saw that her overheard them and how Nicole told her, I'll, I'll get you out of here one way or another. It's, like, something she told Anita. Just and, like, crazy. Just to give a background on Anita, like, and the type of person she was, every single article I have read about her has described her as being this caring kind person always very loving always very helpful she was going to school to be an elementary teacher elementary school teacher she wanted to work with young kids uh 
you mentioned said in the beginning, she was working two jobs. She was mm-hmm. very involved with her family. Like, I mean, this is a girl who finished her freshman year working two jobs, going to school full time, still maintaining a social life and having good grades at that. Yeah. Lots she of friends. Was, Everyone loved her. Lots of friends. She was definitely the friend, too. I had watched um, just a, a video, and I think it was actually an oxygen like video um, of her dad speaking about her, and that in high school, she was like always sticking up for people, and there was an incident where someone was wearing something that wasn't in the dress code. And so the teacher or the principal, whoever it might have been, was like, no, that's not, you can't, you can't wear that. And so Anita actually took the time to like look up what the dress code actually read and said that that wasn't in there. So that this individual needed to apologize to her friend because they were wrong and she was right, basically. And it was like a whole ordeal. Like she was always sticking up for people (laughs) and like was the friend that you wanted to have. Yeah. um, And we've talked about this before too, about like the toll it takes on a family. Um. So I don't know if you saw this, Sid, but I saw yes. that back in 2013 also. Her younger brother, was Daniel was his name, correct? Yes. Um, committed suicide. And they said, Anita's youngest sibling, her sister Anna, in an interview said, like, Anita was this type of person that they were so close and that after she was killed Daniel was never the same and he really took it hard she said that in her eyes whoever killed Anita is also responsible for the death of her brother and it was really sad I mean I can't imagine how tragic that is for the family to to lose two of their kids because Mm -hmm. of this So hopefully we get some justice and we'll see how this plays out, you know, over the next few months with her trial. Yeah. And that's, I think it's going to be pretty interesting to see how that does play out. And, you know, even the upcoming uh, preliminary hearing, how that kind of plays out because it seems like she's holding on to her innocence and that she wasn't involved. So we will have to, keep an eye on that yeah absolutely I know this seems like short and sweet for everyone so you're all probably like wondering how we have a part two uh should we tell them Sid (laughs) probably should we leave it leave it like somewhat vague leave it somewhat vague (laughs) we have a plan so hopefully it follows we follow through. We were referred to this case by someone who personally knew Anita and wants her story told. And ideally, they will be joining us. <laughs> that will be our part two to fill in any blanks that we might have missed and kind of talk about their perspective and the family point of view right now. Right? Am I missing anything? No, I think that's it's pretty much it. Um, one of the reasons, one of the things that she had said in the message is she wanted to make sure that there was no funny business that took place in court and wanted to make sure that the story got out there and the truth got out there. So hopefully we can get that out there and get some justice for Anita.
and the whole family. Yeah. I absolutely agree. And like Sid said, hopefully it doesn't fall through for one way or another. Uh, Ideally, we'll be bringing you part two next week. If anything happens, hopefully it'll just be at a later time and we can pick up the conversation about Anita's case and make sure, like you said, Sid, no funny business. We make sure we get out, you know, information about what actually happened. And we want to make sure that the person who is responsible is held accountable. Retweet. (laughs) All right. Well, before we end, you got some jokes and facts for us? I do. Oh, <laughs> oh! You laughed, making me think it's uh, an interesting one. Uh, you want the fact first? Yeah, let's go fact first. Uh, so enchiladas date back to 1831, where enchiladas were first reportedly mentioned in a cookbook which is said to be the first Mexican cookbook, but I couldn't find proof of that or a name of that. So we're just going to say they date back to 1831. Well, that's hype because I love me some enchiladas. Right? I'm actually thinking about making enchiladas for dinner after. I (laughs) made some this week. (laughs) The best. That's hype. Okay. (laughs) Hit me with a joke. Why didn't the green pepper... Practice archery. Why? Because it didn't have an arrow. (laughs) (laughs) It didn't have an arrow. Habanero. (laughs) I wish our cameras were on so you could see my mouth drop. I literally, as soon as you did that, I put my face in my hands and was like what the fuck <laughs> have an arrow oh lord I was having a hard time this morning and then I was like this is actually just so bad that it's funny <laughs> well, then I, I was like it. saying have an arrow over and over again so it sounds like have an arrow <laughs> well I appreciate that <laughs> Uh, I'm here for the bad jokes. Yeah, I mean, they're they're good bad jokes most of the time. <laughs> Some of them are a little questionable, I feel like. Yeah, I mean, I would agree, but I was trying to be nice. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my feelings are not hurt, so. Okay, okay. <laughs> well, folks, you can find us on Facebook at Tacos and Tequila Podcast. On Instagram, it's just Tacos and Tequila. We have a website, tacosandtequilapodcast.com. By this time this episode is up live and running, we will have new baby pictures on our website. Please go to our website. Check it out. It's got links to all our episodes through Spotify, sources, like I said, embarrassing baby pictures, all that good stuff. (laughs) Well, the new one I have up there isn't necessarily a baby <laughs> picture, but apparently it was a fan favorite. <laughs> I feel like mine's not really a baby picture either. Like, it's just a younger picture. Yours yeah. is definitely a fan favorite, though. Like, I want that on a t-shirt. I sent Sydney three different pictures, and she laughed, reacted at one, and said, all she said was, I'm fucking dying. <laughs> and that was the exact 
<laughs> that was the one my boyfriend was like, you need to post that one. And I was like, <laughs> I'm too old in that picture to post that. Like, no. And then you picked the same thing. And I was like, okay. I'm going to make that on a t-shirt. And then on the back <laughs> or on the bottom, it's going to say like, you said you didn't like tacos or <laughs> It'll be like a new meme. <laughs> I still make yes. the face in this picture. Like, I think that's why it was the funniest. <laughs> Because you're like, wow, 15, 20 years later, you're still making that face. Yes. Absolutely. I am. In case you were all wondering, I do make that face. I love it. If you're listening on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, make sure that you leave a rating and or review if you're able to. It helps us get noticed. Makes us feel good. And it's pretty cool to just see what you guys think. Yes, yes, and yes to all the things Sid said. Also, check it out. Our new logo is up and running. It is live. Woo! Super cool. So, you can see that literally anywhere you find us on all our social media pages as well. And I think it's updated on our website. <laughs> nice. Yeah, I did see it went through to, like, um Apple Podcasts and stuff now, too. Yes, I was stalking Spotify to wait for it to update on there, and it took, like, 24 hours, but it was finally up. That's <laughs> awesome. Looks so that great. Yes, I am very excited. bunch of more fun things. I know we have a fun episode coming in honor of us going to <laughs> yes. Vegas and... At the end of the month, we will be there at the same time as the NFL Draft Ooh. and Crime Con. So, Ooh. hopefully we have some fun content coming, too. Maybe I'll make some TikToks while we're there. We should definitely make some TikToks. I feel like we'll definitely have some crazy stories because neither one of us know how to act. And <laughs> I feel like we're going to definitely... There's... Definitely we're some staying, stories that are going to happen. We're staying in the same hotel as the Crime Con, con like a convention event, <laughs> um, yes. for the sole purpose that we hopefully run into people. <laughs> for the sole purpose that Dr. Phil and I take an elevator ride. <laughs> um, and then I just lock the elevator and he's stuck with me. <laughs> I don't know, folks, I don't know what Cindy's obsession is with Dr. Phil out of everyone, but there are some <laughs> cool ass people going to be there. Uh, we are hopefully, well, we will be going to like an, an after party event, <laughs> yes. uh, with some of the speakers. So hopefully we'll get some cool content from, for that. Cause that's going to be freaking sweet. Uh, no, we're not like a <laughs> podcast there. We're going as, uh, patrons <laughs> as ourselves, <laughs> as yes. civilians. As civilians, but we are hoping to have some cool stuff to share with everyone from that. And in honor of that, Sydney has a very <laughs> cool story. I don't want to, it's, it's, I mean, it's a true crime mystery story. <laughs> that I bet half of those crime con people don't even know. Facts. Because I'm not yeah. going to give anything away. You're because we didn't know for a long back. time. <laughs> yeah. You're just going to have to keep coming back and listen to our episode in a few weeks with what Sydney will share with you. <laughs> yes. So I think that is all we have said. Do you have anything else? No, I think that's it. Sweet. Then we will talk to you guys next week then. Bye.
Bye. Ha 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 ha!